seat. So we're going to look at two Colossians, uh, rather Colossians chapter 2 verses 1 to 8. Before we do that, let me just pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, just pray that your Holy Spirit now be working in our hearts and minds so that we might hear what you have to say to us this New Year's Day. And might your word change us. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. I think I mentioned uh, earlier on, it was New Year's Eve last night. And I don't know if you stayed up to see the New Year in or if you were tucked up in bed. Um, Someone very kindly invited Sue Jane and myself out and we did see the New Year in. But I guess New Year... Eve and New Year is when we start thinking about resolutions, giving something up or, or beginning something new, often related to uh, diets or exercise regimes. Um, I went to uh, someone who wanted a big gym chains, well, it must be the best part of 20 years ago, just opened in Peterborough and they said, well, you know, we get most of our sort of um, sign-ups in the sort of month of uh, December or January, and probably after a sort of six weeks, you really see them. So, and again, there's nothing, you know, in and of themselves, there's nothing wrong with making resolutions. Um, not wishing to judge anybody by my own standards, but I often find very difficult to keep such resolutions. But I thought what um, would be helpful for us to do is to look at this uh, book, Colossians, um, chapter 2, verses 1 to 8, thinking particularly of verses 6 to 7. But this is a picture, a snapshot of a church, probably of relatively new believers, God's new community in what is now Turkey. Um, And what we see is they begin... They've turned in repentance and faith. They've put their trust in Jesus, his Lord. Jesus is Lord and master of their life. But they continue doing exactly that. They don't move away or move from or add anything to what they first received when Paul writes this letter. He's telling them to remain rooted and built up in Jesus Christ and don't move away from that one jot. That is all you need. You are complete in Christ. So, as I say, this is uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, And as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness, as I say, that is Paul's priority. That is what he wants to emphasize time and time again. As I say, you know, we make New New Year's resolutions, rightly or wrongly, there's nothing wrong in and of themselves. And there's nothing wrong with us maybe refreshing the way we do things, meeting with different people to read the Bible. But that's a great... Um, two verses, six and seven. So just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue 
to live your lives in him. And so we are going to first and for first of all think of continuing as you started Colossians chapter two, one to five. This is um, verse 5, and this is what Paul writes to Colossians. Now remember, Paul, more than likely in prison, well, he's not, he is in prison, more than likely in Rome. And this is what he says, For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are, and how firm your faith in Christ is. So he has heard... But these, this new community, God's new community in Colossae, they are disciplined and their faith in Christ is firm. And he's delighted at that. To say he's in prison, um, but he's writing this letter to them, delighted that they, their faith in Christ is firm. This is um, a picture of Paul's missionary journeys. And you'll see Colossae is just um, below where um, Phrygia and Galatia is. And you'll see that Ephesus is on the coast there, the Aegean and the Mediterranean Sea. And although this is titled, this map, Paul's missionary journeys, he never actually went to Colossae. Never in person. You see, this is a 3D reconstruction of Ephesus, which is about 100, 120 miles from Colossae, which was a city, but nowhere near as important as Ephesus was. Ephesus was effectively the capital of uh, the western part of Asia, which was part of the Roman Empire, part of that uh, Pax Romana, the Roman peace. By this time, except on the boundaries um, at the very margins. There was peace which went through much, most of the Roman Empire. And Paul came to Ephesus, about AD 52-ish, and he taught the gospel, that good news about Jesus, to the people. He met in the library, the lecture hall of Tyrannus, and he was there for several years. And people came to hear good news of Jesus Christ, and through the Holy Spirit, they put their trust in Jesus as their Lord and their Master. So how, if Paul never went to Colossae, how did the Colossians hear that good news about Jesus Christ, the gospel? Gospel is a word we use, um, and what it, it's a word the Romans would have used. It means good news, and often they used it in reference to when there was a military victory on the borders of the empire, maybe in Parthia or on the Danube, if you've seen, uh, or Germany, Germana, as it was then. And they, they would announce a gospel, good news, you know, our enemies defeated, wherever it is. But of course, we use gospel because it is good news, and Christ is victorious. He has defeated all powers and authorities on the cross. He is now sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he will return again. And that is good news for all who put their trust in him. But, as I say, Paul never went there in person, and it was Epaphras, 
And it would appear that Epaphras came from Colossae. He went to Ephesus. He heard the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He came to put his trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. And then he went back to Colossae, the city he was. And often they would go meet at the river um, in the cities or towns. That's where a lot of daily life went on, washing, meeting. Or else um, Epaphras might have gone into the marketplaces, into the places where there were commerce, to tell people about Jesus. Just have a look at this screen here. We haven't quite moved off from Christmas yet. Just tell me, as you look at this, what reminds you most about Christmas? Other way, right, sorry. I will put this clicker down because uh, I keep on inadvertently clicking on. All right, so just take a look there. What do you think um, reminds you most of Christmas? Don't worry, you don't have to answer it. I'll do it for you. Although we've got various things which I'm sure most people would associate with Christmas. Do you see you've got a fire engine there, you've got an ambulance, you've got a life jacket, a life um, ring. It's all about rescue, isn't it? And that actually is what Christmas, first and foremost, is about, isn't it? It's how God in the person of Jesus has stepped down into our world. And can you remember, um, if you look at Matthew, right at the beginning of the first chapter, Joseph encounters um, an angel. And do you remember what he says? He's to call the baby Jesus. And do you remember what Jesus means? He will save us from our sins. And do you remember also, the angel tells him, about Jesus, he's going to be Emmanuel. And can you remember what that means? God with us, isn't it? So when we think of Christmas, you know, either you're a Christmas enthusiast or you might uh, not be that much of a fan of Christmas, but whatever else your view about the Christmas we celebrate, enjoy, or put up with, first and foremost, it is about rescue, isn't it? It's about Jesus, it's about God and the person of Jesus coming down. He will, he will rescue us from our sins. So we have his birth, he lived a life fully obedient to God, the only person who's done that. He went to the cross because each one of us is a rebel. We have opposed God. Jesus is God's King, Lord. And because we are in rebellion, we've rebelled against God, and we have not treated those around us as we should, people made in God's image, God's anger is upon us. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, he took our sin, that sin-bearing death, and when we turn, turn around, repentance we call it, and put our trust in Jesus, 
our sins are forgiven. But of course, Jesus didn't remain dead. He came out the other side of death, the only person who's ever done that. Certainly people have been raised from the dead, such as Lazarus, but they died. But Jesus is now ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father. We said that when we um, said the creed together. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. And Jesus is Lord. And either, you know, he's Lord, whether we acknowledge that or not, whether we say that gladly or we say that, or we don't even, we're just reluctant, we just ignore him. And he will come back again. So that is the message that Paphras would have brought to the Colossians. They have believed, they have made, or some of them will have made Christ um, their Lord and Master. And as we've seen, Paul is delighted because their faith is firm. Um, this is, you know, um, I say I have no idea if Epaphras looked like that, but as with many of these early churches which were planted by Paul, they would have met in houses. They would have been, met, as I say, um, Colossi was part of the Roman Empire. Unlikely many of them were Jewish, but there would have been people from a variety of backgrounds. There would have been landowners, probably, farmers, Servants, house servants, agricultural workers, and yet they are now God's new community here in Colossae, united by Christ. <coughs> A bit like Kingfisher Church, Little Paxton. This, uh, I suppose, they've all aged a little bit. I can't remember when this one was taken. So, the church in Colossae, people from different backgrounds, different. Um, uh, social groupings, economic backgrounds, much like Kingfisher Church of Paxton, much like any of God's new communities then and now, made up of people who have turned and made Christ Lord and Master of their lives. And as we've seen, Paul is delighted by this. He's delighted that their faith is firm. But he knows they're going to face danger and struggles This is what he says in those um, first four verses. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you, and also those at Odyssea, for all who have not met me personally. My goal is to be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So Paul knew that they were going to face difficulties and struggles. And that's why he contends and prays repeatedly for them. He wants them to be encouraged and united. And yet, you know, those are words we as Christians use time and time again, aren't they? Grace as well. Yet, it's hard. As C.S. Lewis put it, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. They're going to struggle 
to keep Jesus Christ at the forefront of their lives, for him to be master of their lives. There's a prayer in the Church of England, and it goes something like this, fight valiantly against sin, the world, and the devil. And I think that's a very good prayer, because sin is something, and again, we prayed earlier on, but um, if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin is faithful and just, will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that is what the Colossian church need to do. But also the world around them, they, they were part of a Roman Empire. Some of them might have been citizens, probably not that many. But nonetheless, in the Roman Empire, Caesar was Lord. He was God, and they didn't really care, the Romans, who you worship, as long as you worshipped Caesar. But obviously, as Christians, they couldn't do that. And also, the devil, Satan, although he has been defeated comprehensively and fully on the cross, yet he is still at work, as he hates to see these new communities of God's people planted as they were then, as they are now. And he talks about a mystery, and I don't think that's a mystery in the same way we have Sudokus and crosswords and all these sort of things. I think it was once Christ was hidden, now he has been revealed. And that's one of the things we celebrate, isn't it, at Christmas, how Christ stepped down into our world. This, as we've seen before, is, if you like, the whole key to... Um, arguably a whole book of Colossians. And what we're going to do now is to sing, and then we'll look in more detail, verses um, 6 to 7 of chapter 2. But if you look at the end there, it says, strengthen the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. And we're going to sing, my heart is filled with thankfulness, because we have very much to be thankful for thankful for Jesus Christ and his gospel of grace. So when musicians begin to live your lives in him, so don't move on from that. Although, as we grow as Christians, as we understand more, as we learn more, as we delight more in Christ, as we serve more and more, we will never mind the depths of the knowledge and the beauty and the grace of Jesus Christ, we still, we never move on from being rooted and built up in Jesus Christ. I know, who's still got their Christmas tree up? Yeah. I think ours will go down tomorrow. But, you know, when I bring the Christmas tree in, there's no roots in it. It has to be held up by a stand. Many years ago, I can remember, we used to have a bucket, put soil in it, and it always ended up looking like the leading tower of Pisa. But because there's no roots, it needs the support. And if I take it out into the garden and plant it, nothing's going to happen. It's going to die because there's no roots. You need deep roots. This picture here shows us. And roots are hidden, aren't they? But you need roots. And... As that picture Paul paints, it's picture language. He talks about putting our roots deep down in Christ. So, just as you received Christ, Jesus. 
So we want to put those roots down. And that's a familiar picture, isn't it? You remember in Psalm 1, we have the righteous man who is planted near water and his roots go down deep and everything flourishes. Think of the parable of the sower where it's the seed sown in the good soil which takes root and flourishes. And then Paul uses another picture, doesn't he? He talks about being built up in Christ. Here's a picture. Foundations have been dug, being filled with concrete. And it's only when you have foundations, good foundations, that you can build upon them. And we build upon the foundation of Christ. And again, that's a familiar picture we see in the Bible. Some of you will know the song Ace Foundations. Can you remember the words to it? We're not going to sing it. I don't, we don't sing children's songs in our services apart from Jesus' strong and kind. But in that song, it's called Ace Foundations. It's Ace Foundation, man who built his house on a rock. Anyone who hears his words and does just what he says is like the man who built upon the rock. So these are very familiar images which Paul uses as he's encouraging the Christians in Colossae, this new community, God's new community of believers there. Also, we see that not only are they to put roots deep down into Christ, to build their lives on Christ as the foundation you can be strengthened of faith as you were taught. So we've got to listen to God's word. As we said in that song, Ace Foundations, anyone who hears his word and ju- does just what he says is like a wise man. This is um, a quote from, he was a church leader. Um, he died probably about 10, 11 years ago. If you've been to Cambridge at the Lion Yard, where Sydney Street and St. Andrew Street meet. There's a church there. Um, Mark Ashton used to be the leader there. And this is what he wrote. And I think these are really helpful words. The Word of God does the work of God and the people of God through the Spirit of God. So we need to keep listening to God as we have it, as um, we hear God's Word talk. We need to listen. And we just sang, my heart is filled with thankfulness to him who reigns above, whose wisdom is my perfect peace, whose every thought is love that every day I have on earth is given by the king. So we have so much, in fact, everything to be thankful for. He has rescued us from sin and death. He has given us new life because he came out of the other side of death. He now reigns, rules and reigns, but he has given us the Holy Spirit who's working in us to more and more delight and serve and follow Christ. And in fact, it's like a stream which is overflowing with thankfulness, bursting its banks with thankfulness for what Christ has done. So we see all these different bits of picture language Paul uses as he writes to this um, church, this new church in Colossae, 
delighting in the fact their faith in Christ is so firm and strong, knowing they will face dangers from within because of their nature, sin, the world, and the devil, but also from outside as well. And you see, this is what Paul does in um, verse 4. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by found, sound, fine-sounding arguments. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow, deceptive philosophy, which depend on human traditions, the elemental spiritual force of this world, rather than <coughs> Christ. And this is a warning. As I say, Paul knew that they would, like many other churches which were planted which he planted and visited, but also this church in Colossae and others, that they will face those who will come along and say, well, yeah, you've heard the good news about Jesus, the gospel, but is that it? Is that all there is to it? What you really need to have a deeper relationship to be more connected to Christ is and all these things, it could be, and we don't know exactly, it could be you've got to really follow the Jewish law, although you've made Christ your Lord, go back, you know, or else it might be those who say, well, if you really want to be spiritual, really to be closely connected, don't touch, don't um, taste, don't handle things. You know, if you really want to be no God, you know, you want to fast, you want to be very spiritual, or perhaps you, there's also those, they talk about worshipping angels, which sounds very odd, but I think it's about those who claim to have some special insight. Um, if you pray like this, um, this technique, then that's going to bring you closer um, to God. And Paul says, no, you have got everything you need in Christ remain rooted and built up in Christ. You see, the problem is, all of those things which people were going to come along and say to this new church, this new, God's new community in Colossae, was Jesus plus. And the problem is, once you start putting something in addition to Christ, then you're going to be moving further and further away from depending completely on Christ. And you end up not least depending on yourself and your efforts to do this, to do that. We get people saying, well, you know, deny yourself this and it'll get you closer. Or sing songs like this or do this when you sing and, or that. And you might. And Paul is quite firm. He's saying, don't. Just rely on Christ. Be built and, root up, and rooted in Jesus Christ. So, Kingfisher Church, we're 10 years in existence now. We start, I think the first meeting was January 2013. And that, and God, in person of Christ, has been a centre of Kingfisher Church. And I'm sure all of us will continue to pray that we, as Kingfisher Church, remain rooted, built up in Christ Jesus. Strengthened in the faith, as we've been taught, and overflowing with thankfulness, for we have so much to be thankful for. Why don't I pray, and then we'll sing.
Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your faithfulness and goodness. We thank you for Kingfisher Church. And we know that we would not exist and we would not continue unless we are built up and rooted in Christ Jesus. Thank you that we received Christ as Lord. We pray that your Holy Spirit be working in us to make us delight in Christ, to serve and to love him more and more, to build one another up and to be the place of God's presence here in Little Paxton, holding out the good news of Jesus Christ. 